Hey everybody, Danny here, and on this episode of Music Lesson Business Academy, I sit down with Chris Bates from Los Rios Rock School and Teacher Zone fame. We go on kind of a deep philosophical dive and ask the question, do you love the game? We also talk about some upcoming Teacher Zone enhancements and what's going on over there with those guys. All right, let's roll the intro. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode here. Got a long one today with Chris Bates, some amazing stuff. So I want to get right into it. So real quick, this episode is sponsored by Never Alone Business Services, your partner in marketing run by music school owners for music school owners, Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO and websites, all for music schools who want to fill their business to capacity and enroll more students. Request a free marketing assessment at neveraloneservices.com or email those guys at info at neveraloneservices.com. Mention Music Lesson Business Academy for 100 bucks off your first month. All right, let's get right to my interview with Chris Bates. Here we go. Chris Bates, welcome back to Music Lesson Business Academy. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. It's so great to be <laughs> it's been down like here. probably a year, I think. I am since in we, the house. Yeah, since we got factory. together here. Yeah, thanks for coming down to the school. And it's rare that I get to do a podcast interview in person either. You know, you know and what, what's so cool, man, um, for those of you that haven't visited uh, our neck of the woods out here in California, Danny lives in an area that is... Uh, Danny, every time I drive through Costa Mesa and Newport, I always... I'm reminded it's sort of entrepreneurial hotbed. Oh God, it's crazy around it's here insane. right now. Yeah, it's nuts. There's so many new restaurants and so <laughs> yeah. many new things that I didn't even see last time. Yeah. And uh, that was what, six months? So it's, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it's, um... <laughs> you know, I do that other podcast, the iHeart Costa Mesa podcast. Uh, and what's been great about that is just, I get to meet all those people. Yes. You know, all these restaurant tours and get their backstories and stuff. And yeah, it's crazy. The art community, the restaurateur community, yes. uh, and just kind of the entrepreneurial community is gargantuan around here. And partly that's been the case because Costa Mesa is always the middle class, a little bit more middle class semi beach community. Right. It doesn't right. actually have beachfront property, yeah. but you're kind of still at the beach. So you're surrounded by Newport on one side, ultra wealthy and Huntington on the other. And Costa Mesa was like, well, I can get, you know, a little warehouse space over here. Right. Reasonably a doable my house. Still. Yeah. I can actually have. My yeah. Business. But it's still like in this hub of where there's plenty of money and, you know, this great spot. So the challenge that everyone's concerned about now in this area is that it's that's changing, mm-hmm. you know, where there's been all the, like you'll even notice just on the other side of the school here. Yes. And, you know, the one, you know, those are like one point five million dollar condos uh, right there. Right, right. And that's kind of. West side Costa Mesa, which was always kind of like the cheaper side. And then East side was kind of like the uppity side. 
right. West Coast side is now exploding. So everyone's a little concerned in that respect that are you going to drive out the artists and the businesses that all made this the desirable place for people to move to. Right. And it's kind of that standard gentrification mm -hmm. model that you yeah. see in the city where the right. people go into the kind of rough neighborhood, make it cool. And then all the houses get bought up and nobody can afford them. Yeah. So then they move out, you know, cause you know, it's, it's a weird cycle. It's, it is. Um, we saw the same in Laguna beach, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's always been the, the, well, pretty much in every town in America that's been gentrified. Yeah. Um, I, when I was back in Chicago recently, I was, you know, we stayed in an Airbnb yeah. that was in a neighborhood that I used to have a rehearsal space in when I was like in my early twenties. Right. That was like, you know, the band had a rehearsal space there cause it was a crappy neighborhood and like you could get some cheap warehouse, but like, you know, it was like, okay, load the gear in real quick and then lock everything up. You know, it was like right. a rough gang neighborhood in Chicago. And now all the brownstones are like $1.5 million. It's out of control. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know? yeah. We, we, the, we saw the same thing in Denver. Uh, yeah, the the Capitol Hill nuts, uh, area, yeah. right? I mean, literally it went from like a crack. Did you den live in Denver? For a long, oh, long God, time. Oh, God, I love Denver. Yeah. yeah. My, my first son was born there. Oh, okay. So I met my wife there. God, if I left California, that's like one of the... You know, if I ever left California, that's kind of like one of the very few places I could see myself going. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I would go back in a heartbeat. We were there for 10 years and uh, yeah, Colorado uh, in general has always been it's a high great, on my list of yeah, beautiful places. It's an awesome state, uh, you know, but we saw that near downtown Denver, um, just east, the entire area uh, went through a revitalization that went from like crack dens <laughs> right. to like, you know, super uh, expensive condos. Everything got yeah. converted. Yeah. Nuts. And uh, so, so, yeah. But, you know, it's the name of the game. I would say in business, we're changing or we're dying. And um, <clears throat> a good segue uh, is what we were just talking about. Um, for those of you that haven't read or, or seen The Power of Why, the Simon Sinek. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if you've talked about it uh, on your podcast in the past. A little but, bit. Yeah. I, there's. We've kind of, you know, talked about that concept of kind of figuring out like, well, why are you doing this? Right. You know, it's got to be more than just money. Yeah. You know, what's, what's kind of the grand mission and tying that all together into who you are as a business. You know? And people are more apt, you know, we're also driven emotionally. Let's face it. Yeah. You know, um, there's the great metaphor I love of the idea that, you know, the writer of an elephant is your intellect and the elephant's your emotions. Mm. And you think that the intellect's in charge until somebody brings peanuts. Right. right, right. And then the elephant takes over. And so uh, the reason I brought up Simon Sinek is he has a new book that I've been reading. And Danny and I were talking about it before we went live here. It's called uh, The Infinite Game. The Infinite Game. And what I like about that is what we were just saying with this, like, areas changing, businesses <laughs> changing, things like that. Change sucks. And it's hard. And it's scary. Right. You know, and just know that uh, if you guys are out there and you're feeling afraid, um, you know, Danny and I have those days, too, <laughs> <laughs> because I think about that stuff all the time, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, again, we were just saying, you know, as much as I love California, you know, it's a tough business climate to do like a brick and mortar store like we do for a small business. It's sure. highly regulated. You know, we're. We're certainly on the forefront of like running our schools with employees because we, you know, more and more schools out here are going to be making that switch any day right. now, or they're going to really be facing, the, you know, facing some trouble. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that you think about all the time. It's like, boy, is it going to change too much in this direction or too much in that direction? But 
And the one thing you know is yes, yeah. it's going to change. Right. So what I love about this book and the reason I brought it up today is, you know, I'm seeing Danny, you operate in a infinite mindset with the way you do things. And I think all of us just need to stay in that place. And um, the way Simon Sinek puts it in this book, it's really clear. There's finite, which is like playing a game that you're trying to win. I'm trying to be the most uh, popular music school in my area. Well, that's a finite game, right? Yeah. Right. Because, okay, so what does that even mean? You're going to sure, define sure. the rules. And then if you meet them, then what? Right. And right. then were you the most popular 20 years ago and now you're not no longer? So that game is finite. An infinite game is more your, your number one goal is to stay in the game. Yeah. So you're no longer defined by these really restrictive confines. So for instance, if you were to define from an infinite perspective, music factory, you wouldn't define it as uh, we provide a rock band program, right? right you right. provide it more. You would actually have it be more infinite in your terms. Um, so, right. So right. like, uh, you know, just change lives through music. Right. Right. Or just, you know, bringing, you know, bringing that joy and love of music to as many people as possible, whether mm. that means they come to this physical location or if that's an online business three years from now. Yeah. Right. You know, you're still kind of moving forward with that same mission. It's just the delivery system of how you're doing it. He calls that your just cause. Yeah. And he says businesses that have a just cause last businesses that don't get into trouble. And an example he gave, he said he was in a cab um, with a, he had just left a Microsoft thing and Microsoft couldn't stop talking about Apple at the time. And he had just seen the Zune, I guess, which was, you know, amazing at the time. <laughs> so he gets in a cab with an Apple guy and he says, you know, I just saw this Microsoft Zune. What do you think? And he goes, oh yeah, I'll bet it's amazing. Had a totally different reaction than the Apple or than the Microsoft guys had had at the time, and he said that was uh, directly correlative to the leadership of Microsoft playing a finite game, mm -hmm. and Apple's leadership playing the more infinite game, where you just you're not worried about com competition, you're not things are gonna be better than what you provide, but if you're playing an infinite game, then you're always going to make the changes required to keep your business viable, to keep people excited, to keep coming. Yeah. Your, your DJ program is a perfect example, right? Like, you know, you've added that because you see the need right now for a DJ program. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I mean, 10 years ago, would you have done that? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Things are, yeah. I think, you know, I, um, along those same lines, you know, and I was going to ask you, and I, I kind of already know the answer to this is, you know, do you love the game? Right. You know? And I think about that all the time because I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll start working on these other things or, you know, different business opportunities. And it's like, I, you know, I get attracted to, you know, going down these rabbit holes of, I don't know, like lately I've just been, you know, devouring like the algorithm and the process of YouTube. Yes. You know, I, like to me, that's one of the, coolest business opportunities for people out there. Right. And like, I mean, it's really changed, you know, the landscape of creating media, you know, oh. when you see what people are doing and the kind of money that people are making. And, uh, I mean, uh, just yesterday we had no ability to broadcast our own videos. Yeah. Yeah. Right. None. It's just such a, you know, so I'll there go down three those channels. There were, there were three channels. And if you weren't on one of the three, yeah. Right. And now YouTube just yeah. opened this entire thing where now us individuals 
can literally broadcast our message. Right. It's incredible. And, you know, so I'll go down, you know, I'll start looking at all, you know, I'm always looking at like financial opportunity model, Mm. different things, you know, like I do some affiliate marketing and I do some of these other things Mm. and it's like, well, man, don't you have enough going on? Can't you just concentrate on the school? And it's like, yes, but I just, I kind of love the game. Yes. And so when I have a day, like the last couple of weeks here were really stressful. I've had a couple of employee things, you know, I knew I was, you know, losing one teacher for good reasons, losing another teacher for not good reasons, Mm. all kind of happened, you know, at the same time had to scramble, you know, and it's like, okay, wow, we've got two weeks. We got to replace like two teachers, you know, we're really picky on who we hire. They got to be multi-instrumentalists, you know, and it's been stressful to go through that. Even though I ended up totally top grading. Right. Well, we hired your guy. Oh, good. The former Lo- oh, guy. Jeff. Love him. And Jeff and this other amazing guy. And it's like, mm. if we wouldn't have been, you know, if I wouldn't embrace the game. Yes. Like, I never, like, I'm looking at it going, oh, my God, we got two amazing teachers out of this. This is out of control, you know? It, it, you guys, <laughs> if you're worried about your competition, then you're playing the wrong game. Yeah. Is the bottom line. If you're, if you're more thinking of your... Uh, higher brand purpose your, or what is your mission or what is the reason you want to get out of bed in the morning? As soon as you keep start living and running your business along those lines, then you start getting into the game and what Simon Sinek calls uh, existential flexibility. And basically what he means is you're flexible enough to do whatever you got to do to stay in existence. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. And so if you have a big enough mission then you can actually um, have that flexibility to keep making the changes, do what you got to do. And when you're dealing with challenges, which happen day, I mean, in the lesson business, we all know it's, it's like every day there's something there's, you know, there's a, there's a kid that gets sick. There's a parent that, um, you know, passes away. There's challenges at school. There's this and that there's always something. Right. Right. And so, you know, it can be super stressful, but if we put it in context to the bigger game, then we can sort of smile and realize that this is just one of many moments that are part of that bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess in different terms, like on past podcasts and stuff, I've talked about, you know, just loving, you know, just, you know, are you a business geek? Do you love business? And a lot of people, you know, it's easy to fall into like, well, you know, I've I've been a music teacher, so it makes sense for me to, you know, maybe open a a music studio. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you got to make sure you love the game, mm. you know, because it, it's going to be tough. The game is tough. Yes. So if you love it, you, you can persevere through it. So even when you're a little stressed out and even though I might go home one night and be like, Jesus, what, you know, what's been going on? This is really I'm working way more than I want to do the last couple of weeks. This has been rough. The other side of that is like when you, you, you conquer that, you're like all stoked. Because you love playing the game and it, trying it, it, to achieve within the game. Right. So, you know. And then you're not so worried about, um, I mean, listen, failure, it, we all know just from being musicians, right. right? Failure is the most exciting thing ever because it means I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm pushing myself to do something uncomfortable and actually get better at my craft. And the big thing that, um, you know, Simon Sinek posits about our business running, I just want to be clear is that a lot of us, some of you out there are more operational in mindset and playing your game. And some of you are more visionary, mm-hmm. right? And what he posits is that a true infinite game needs both. Yeah. So if you're all operations, you're probably playing a little too finite. If you're all vision, 
same thing. You're, you're kind of couching <laughs> right. it in a very like linear goal. If you play both, then you're sort of looking big picture at all of it. And you're saying, okay, I need the operational side. And so if it's not your superpower, then find a partner or sure. someone that it is. In other words, which, whichever side you suck at. Right, right. Um, and I think too many <laughs> of us are afraid to do that. Yeah. And yeah, real, realizing what you're good at, what you're not good at. I know like there's definitely elements, certain elements of having the school or the business that I know are things that I just hate, mm. you know? So I just, I do everything in my power to kind of structure things. So I don't deal with it. You know, Brilliant. the new guy was just asking yesterday. He was like, uh, how do I log into this ADP thing to punch in? I'm like, I've never done it. Yeah. I've never even looked at it. Yep. That's Corey. <laughs> go, go see him. He'll get you going. You know, it's like, I just purposely am like built a wall of the things that I know I'm not good at and I don't enjoy so that I can really focus on the stuff. But you didn't hide from it's the big thing Yeah, is that you didn't say, oh, I'm just not going to do it. You just, uh, you said, I'm going to find someone else. It's not my superpower. Right. Yeah. And like Aaron at uh, Los Rios, um, I mean, quite frankly, you know, uh, she dots her eyes and crosses her T's. Yeah. Tyler and I are, are, you know, go a million miles a minute. Um, we're, we're, you know, chief vision officers. We, we like to think big and, and that kind of thing. Sure. Aaron then pulls us right back down to the ground. Right. It's like, Hey, we got to do these couple of <laughs> yeah. realistic. She had, did today. it yesterday. You know what I did yesterday? I went and play, paid our business license. Why? Yeah. Cause Aaron said, go do this now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I think there's also this tendency to feel like no one else can do these things yeah, better than you right. or like, Oh, I can't give that to somebody. I, I, I like to do it all. Or I, you know, I'm not confident that they're going to do it the way that I want. And when you start to realize that it's actually fairly easy to hire people who can do all those things better than you can better, not better, just not at yeah. the level, but there's there, I have people doing things that are doing it way, you know, Brian puts all the curriculums and all the testing and just the big picture, like teaching philosophy stuff together. I can't do that as good as like anywhere close to the level that he can. Right. You know? And so there's all these things going on around me that I'm like, I can't do that as good as that person. I'd rather pay them to do it, you know? And, oh yeah. You know, and, and being just understanding that as good as you think you are at different things, there is somebody out there better than you. Well, you and Corey had to, had to define it, and, and yeah. Tyler and I have had to define it uh, because what ends up happening is um, we both were dancing in worlds we weren't good at because we're trying to just do everything. Yeah. And we had to sit back and go, hold on, what's our actual superpowers? And then figure out who is going to, you know, who is best superpower wise to handle that. And that either means us or it means someone in the organization or outside. I mean, that's what's so great about nowadays. Like a lot of us are handling things like our marketing, like our websites that we had, if it's not your superpower, right. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. There's definitely somebody out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm really kind of obsessed um, these days with that mindset. Um, you know, the, like a, even at, even at Los Rios, for instance, we're called Los Rios rock school, but our infinite game is that we believe language is the most powerful. Our music's the most powerful language on earth. Right. And we believe that it's, um, we're trying to help more kids, lives be changed by using that medium and speak the language of music. And so whatever that means. So we might even 
you know, Tyler and I actually have a couple alternative logos and names just if we need to pivot. We, you know, we own Los Rios Academy. We own Los Rios Studios. Like, sure, sure. We're like, we're Los Rios Rock School because right now it, it's in alignment with our performance academy. Yeah. But we're willing over the years to achieve that mission, to do whatever it takes to keep working towards that mission. So don't be afraid of change. Absolutely. You know, the most stable thing should be whatever it is, whatever your true, um, I guess, vision statement. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, you know, you you can try to fight like the biggest. You just bought a piano academy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been a total learning experience for sure. A really good learning experience. They were like, "Wait, challenging." A renowned punk rock drummer just bought <laughs> a classical piano. It's awesome. well, you know, and obviously the idea <laughs> is, you know, to change it to more of what you know it's really will just be a second music factory doing our thing but it's kind of you know we're not doing that overnight yeah and it is a really good learning experience because if you want to like look at a world that absolutely hasn't thought about changing at all right that's it right there from the music in the music lesson world and there is a battle they are like fighting the change you know, by being negative of about the changes, you know, complaining about the change and all yes. those kind of things yeah. instead of saying, okay, the world is changing. The marketing is changing the way business is being done. What worked 10 years ago for a private piano instructor in their home. And they're, they're struggling with that model now. And as opposed to going, okay, this, this world's changing. Am I going to keep, you know, they're not really playing the game. Like once you saying, get your head out of the, the sand, once you stop being an ostrich and actually get your head out of the sand, you realize the world's left you behind. Yeah. And so that's not the game. That's playing a very finite game. See, they're still playing the same game that, you know, right. 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And, you know, the reality is, is that everything in, is in flux. Do you know that the average company, Fortune 500 company um, in the 50s or in 60s, was um, 60 years old. And right now, our Fortune 500 companies are only averaging an 18-year lifespan. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, I know we've gone from a supply economy to a demand economy, and so it's very different because you have access to everything. Yeah. But I think it's a philosophy problem. I think that what happened is people stopped focusing on the bigger picture. Sure. They stopped focusing on the actual truth and what they were trying to accomplish. And they worry so much about growth that it isn't just about growth. It's about impact. Mm-hmm. It's about going deep, you know? And so I think we all do that in the lesson business with our kids. Um, and that's like what we always strive for is like, how can we go deeper? How can we make a greater impact? How can we, so it's about more of an impact. You want to grow too. Sure. But in my opinion, it's secondary to impact. Right. 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 Cause if you only grow with no impact, <laughs> you're very surface level. Yeah. And the next whim people jump to that. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about some of the bigger companies now that you hear about, you know, and some of the ups and downs, you know, I don't know for whatever reason, Uber comes to mind for me as a company mm. that. You know, it's definitely having some big struggles. Yes. Right. They, they had a huge leadership change. They, they had some bad. It sounds like they had some culture problems. Mm, mm. And it'll be is, interesting to see if the vision, because Uber's not a transportation company. Right. They will not say, you know, that's not their mission. You know, it's interesting to see like where a company like that will go. You know, they'll still be the name Uber, 
but it'll be interesting to see five years, 10 years. I'll tell you exactly. All the things that yeah. they're doing and they may not even, it may not involve picking people up in a car at all. I'm sure it probably won't because well, of the other vision that caused changes. the disruption. Yeah. So you're, you're right. The, the vision that caused the disruption um, is infinite. That's why it was so disruptive. Yeah. But what the problem is, is that now so many people put their hands in the pot that they're creating a finite game. They're starting to create, you know, yeah. where, where it's all about metrics and numbers and, and you know, and they're yeah, losing yeah, their yeah. whole vision of people having access anytime uh, uh, to that. I mean, the CEO's now sold all of his shares. He's out. Yeah. Completely. So the visionary guy that started the whole thing's gone. Right, right, and, right. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I think that companies like that um, is a perfect example of the 18 year. Yeah. Versus, you know, I love this, the Toyota mindset. Right. The, um, I mean, the whole if you look at um, what the Japanese did after World War Two, but what they did is they pivoted and uh, have completely transformed their entire nation and economy sure, sure. and have actually been one of the driving force along, along with, uh, of course, the West. They've been one of the driving forces of innovation in the world. Yeah. And it's because they've had a bigger vision. Have you ever studied um, like the whole story of Edwards, Edward Demings? No. Uh, so Edward yeah, Demings yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. was part of, so after World War II, you know, America was involved in the rebuilding of these nations. Right. And Edward Demings um, was really instrumental. It's been a long time since I read about it, so I'll probably get some of this stuff wrong. So yeah, don't write me like <laughs> mail, you know. Um, but he was kind of instrumental in the rebuilding of those companies, and they still do a Demings Award in Japan at these companies. And it was all, you know, it was really bringing that innovation and that, that, you know, striving for that uppermost quality level. Yeah. So they still do like a Demings award in Japan. And the, the story of Mr. Honda is really interesting because, mm. you know, he started that during right before the war. Mm. So his factory was demolished like two different times. Wow. He was, you know, picking up gas cans that were dropped out of airplanes and using that metal to create piston rings. Wow. You know, and just the, the, the challenges that they went through, it's, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting history um, well, to read and, about. And I, yeah, and, and what, it, before I forget, what, yeah. when you were talking, what I was thinking about, when you were talking about this cultural change inside these companies, do you think that some of it is related more to these companies going public versus private? You know, have you, I you think, yes, okay. You so, were a public company at your, well, no, I wasn't. I've yeah. always I've, so I've worked for a public company yeah, yeah, that yeah. used to be private, and right. I saw the change. So, um, you you when you look at the different mindsets, there used to be a mindset of stakeholders, right? So it, basically, stakeholders would include customers and staff. In fact, they have to first. So it's like we value our staff first because our staff are the ones that are actually you know helping us provide our our vision. Yeah. And then our customers second, because they're actually the ones that are, are uh, having a challenge solved. And then our stockholders or our investors last, because they're going to be the beneficiary of those two elements. Well, it's flipped from the 80s. Mm -hmm. So, and it also flipped because we went from a supply economy where like things were very limited to a demand economy where now demand drives the market, not supply. And so those two things, I think, the greed and change um, that we saw in the markets in the 80s and stuff mixed with, and it was probably related to the supply-demand change, right? And so yeah. now, now we're in this age where things move so quickly. I think what it's doing is it's given us our heart back. 
And that's what I, I really hope. And I think for all of us as small business owners, we are the heart of the world. We really are. Yeah. Because once businesses get big enough, right? I mean, you, the, you, Facebook's dealing with that right now. They're, they're essentially a country. Yeah, that's an interest. It's, you know, yeah. And even 15 years ago, you know, your big companies were, you know, like a Coca-Cola or General Motors or something like that. But even those kind of companies didn't face the challenges that like a Facebook type of company. Well, if you think about it, in, uh, like, yeah, a company like Coke and, and it, things like that, it's just, it's such a different world. It's a different type of impact because they're not really just building a product, you know? Uh, it's, 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 I mean, people, it's, there's a lot of people that, you know, despise Coke and I get it, but, um, but what, uh, what man, they did I'm trying to get a Coke zero sponsorship. Oh, you know? I, I love Coke zero. <laughs> but what they did so beautifully, in my opinion, is having the distributors be, uh, to the local markets because mm -hmm. they knew that they would know them, the markets the best. So not only were they employing and empowering locally, right. They were making sure that the heart of their brand was strong throughout. Yeah. I think we can all learn from that. So I think for us, I think the big distinction for us as small business owners is to realize that while we need the finite games, in other words, like it's important to look at your numbers. Sure. It's important to realize that profitability is uh, imperative or you don't have a business that you can't um, because profitability is like a body that's unhealthy. Right, if the right. business isn't profitable, there's not money to make capital improvements or to hire new people or to do great new things. Um, and marketing and sales often come out of your profit. So if you have no profit, you have no marketing and sales, which means you're affecting sure. less people over time. So I think that uh, as small business owners, it's real important that we all realize this stuff, but uh, at the same time realize that the reason we started in the first place is really what it's all about. Yeah. Because almost everybody started with the right intention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's, a, that's a really good, really good point there. And, uh, you know, I, I think about growing the company and, you know, what I went through working for a company that, you know, when I started at Guitar Center and had 15 stores, you know, that was it. And uh, the Target Center used to take care of musicians yeah. and then they flipped and they started trying to take care of their shareholders and the whole thing sure. went belly up. Well, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it was an ex what appealed to me when I first started working for Guitar Center was it was an extremely visionary leadership. Yeah. It was two guys, Marty and Larry. Yep. Company was still kind of owned by Ray Shear at the time. Mm -hmm. um, Ray had bought it from the original owner which was Wayne Mitchell. So if you ever see a Mitchell guitar, cool. which is kind of the house brand at Guitar Center, that's okay. based on Wayne Mitchell. Wayne Mitchell was actually a car guy. Uh. So those stories of like, oh, it's a car salesman that started it. He actually was. His goal was to purchase a car dealership. He didn't quite have the money to do it. There was a store in Hollywood called Organ Center that was for sale. And he <laughs> bought Organ Center. This would be during like the expansion and boom of the Beatles and the British invasion. He got rid of all the organs, started hanging Rickenbacker guitars, Brilliant. and boom, that was it. Uh, and it just blew up. And in a short period of time, he was like, man, I don't need a car dealership. This is, this is great, you know? Wow. So that's really how it started. And then Ray purchased it from him, I believe, when there was two locations. So it was an extremely visionary company in what they were trying and to they do. And they lost their way because, what did they buy? What's the site that they bought? Um, um, we bought Musician's uh, Friend Musician, right yeah. before the company went public. So I would posit that if, if Guitar Center hadn't lost its way, it would have already created a Musician's Friend. 
You see yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. they would have, they would have, their mission would have been big enough that they would have, it would have just been part of what they already did. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of when that was it. The e-commerce was big, but it wasn't the everyday thing like it is now. Right. And I think at the time acquiring, it, it depends how you look at it. Their mindset was we're going to acquire the guy that's already the best in the world. Right. But they, so that's they, went they that, relate to the party. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, but only, we're, I, I'm we're, only saying that. So we all want to change yeah. and have fun with it. Right. Because think about e-readers. Okay. Why would book publishers not be the ones to invent them? Yeah. Because they didn't see themselves in the reading business. Mm -hmm. They saw themselves in the book Publishing business. business right. So that's, that's all they were focused on was paper because that, that's what business we're in. No, you're not. You're in the reading business. Right, right. If you saw themselves in the reading business, then technology companies wouldn't have put them out of business. Right, right, right. Coming out with these readers. Yes. And so that's, that's really a telling thing for all of us is the bigger our vision, if Mitchell's vision had kept going, by then he was probably way out of it. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know... The, the next big change, though, was when the company went public, it, it goes from being able to make those investments that keep you in, in alignment with your vision yes. to the quarterly numbers are coming out next month. We've got to do this. And we would literally do like buying freezes and stuff just to get inventory lower so that the profit bottom line profit margin was high enough so that the president of the company could go, you know, go yeah. on his tours of, you know, where you need, they just go and pitch to all the big investment firms that's whatever you know what they have to do and they'd go and here's our reports and here's our numbers and then we'd go through that cycle every three months and it was maddening and it really was now I, the one thing i will give guitar center credit for um is and this would have been right when i was leaving we had we still had some of the upper management was still some of the main guys that it's you know basically been there from the beginning is they made that determination of to continue to move the company in the original direction and to do, you know, to be visionary, we cannot be public. And they went back into the private sector, mm. which was a whole, so Bain Capital actually bought Guitar Center. I don't know if a lot of people uh, don't know that. Uh. But that's when I left is because I had my, all my stock options had to get bought out. Oh, so I woke up one morning and had money in my bank account. I was nice. Like, this is, I'm, it's, now is the time to bail. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> I, I was waiting for a sign. I just got <laughs> I one. I think that was it. Um, but, uh, you know, just, yeah, it, it's, it, you know, that's a company that I can kind of relate to that type of, you know, when shift of where you lose the original culture, you know, it was a very, you know, had a very strong culture of promotion from within. Right. And this, this dream, because you could start as, you know, a drum salesman, right. which is what I did. I started selling drums in the central Chicago store in 1990 when there was 15 guitar center stores. And right. when I left the company, I was a district vice president for Southern California. Nowadays, they just don't do that with people. Right. Like they, like, they bring in the guy from Best Buy, you know, there's a, the CEO, not the current one, but like two CEOs back of Guitar Center was a CEO of Best Buy. They were, it was just that well, rotational you, you thing, know, you know. And, and uh, the, I, to stay with that theme, I'll tell you, um, when you're playing for the quarterly results or when you're playing, okay, so it's super important to measure yourself, but... The problem with that is that you can get sucked down that rabbit hole where that's the only thing you're measuring. You're not looking at, am I playing the bigger game? The long game, yeah. yeah I just read um, a book um, called Relentless, and it's the guy that coached Michael Jordan and, ironically, Kobe. And 
he, in this book, it's really interesting because he really talks about the, the men, how they're, they're literally 100% different than everyone else. And he talks about exactly what we're saying right now. They're playing, they were playing an infinite game, mm-hmm. right? They weren't just playing to win a championship. Right. This year's right? championship. Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, you know, our hearts, especially here in Orange County where, where Kobe lives. Yeah. I mean, it's just been heavy. Um, to Not live. only Kobe, but, oh. you know, his daughter's basketball coach um, is was the wife of, you know, the singer of Tijuana Dogs, yeah. which is a local band here. The baseball coach from Orange Coast College, you know, it really touched a lot of people. Orange in, Coast is just, but for right down the road, road it's here, right yeah. down the road here. And uh, Peyton, um, one of the girls, uh, my son's basketball game this week. Um, they had the chairs set aside for her cause she played in, the mm. league, in my son's league. Wow. And it was just so heavy. She would say yeah, that was a t- yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. That's yeah, a real tough one. You know, but the reason I, I, I think it's important to bring up is that, um, the, the people are saying, why would, why would the world be so moved by a, you know, basketball player? Right. Um, most people aren't, weren't even Laker fans or <laughs> right, right. right. And I think that, that the reason we're all so moved, there's two parts of it. One is that we love the uh, children and the hope and the, you know, specialness that kids bring us and, and no kid should ever, you know, have their life taken uh, too soon. But the other part of it is that Kobe brought um, a mentality that's heroic. And we all look at that mentality and we go, wow. Because he didn't just bring it for one year. He didn't bring it for one quarter. He brought it for 20 years straight. Yeah. And I heard him talk uh, in a video, um, and then and we'll move on. But I heard him talk in a video where he said, he goes, listen, my goal is to be the best that ever played basketball. Not the best Laker. Not have the most championships. My goal is to literally be the best that ever touched a ball. Yeah. He goes, so then I started looking at the math and I realized it was kind of easy if, if the average guy wasn't starting training until 11 a.m. He goes, I figured if I got up at 3 a.m., I could have two training sessions and a break before the other guys even started their first training. He goes, so now I'm doing four trainings a day, four <laughs> two-hour trainings a day. And then I did the math and said, dang, if I do this for 20 years, I'm going to be so light years ahead of the rest sure, of the sure. league. Because the rest of the league, by the way, he says, only does two, hour, two trainings a day. Yeah. So he goes, I'm doing four. They're doing two. And then they wonder why I keep accelerating. Well, that's an infinite mindset. Yeah. That's not just to win this year's championship. Yeah. And even beyond basketball, he was already, you know, so involved in other things. Right. It's weird to think, you know, like how involved in the soccer world he was on right. a business side right. <laughs> you know like he, it just doesn't you don't think oh this big basketball legend saw the vision of like he's like soccer's gonna be huge you know he was like very visionary in that way and was really already thinking about that next you know those next chapters of greatness he wasn't, you know, he wasn't done just because the basketball was done. He was on to all kind of amazing. His mo- he called it his Mamba thing. mentality. Yeah. And he was really taking that bigger picture of that mentality to every aspect that he could reasonably touch. And so I think all of us can just learn from that in our businesses is, you know, listen, it's stressful enough to run a small business. You know, if you're stressing over the, the numbers and you're stressing over today's game, one of the neat practices you can give yourself right now, especially if you're going through, maybe you, you know, paying the bills is rough right now. Um, you'll get out of there a lot quicker and you'll grow a lot faster 
if you play this bigger picture, because people can feel that mm. and everybody wants to get behind a vision that's bigger than themselves. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Everybody does. Yeah. Cause it's, it's fun. That makes like <laughs> yeah, you sure. said to start with, you love waking up and playing the game. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's the game. That's fun. The infinite one. Yeah. I've always, I've often thought about like, oh, you know, if I had a certain amount of money, I might just like bail out, you know, and I might just move to my cabin in the mountains and mountain bike all day. And, you know, not really play the game, but I'm pretty sure I'd get bored. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have a lot more time to, you know, I'd like to make that pivot transition where I really have a lot of time to, you know, just for personal goals that are not business related. There's no way I wouldn't have, like, I'd be working on some kind right. of project. It's a delusion, dude. Like, I would you're definitely be calling guy. you going, dude, check it out. I started this thing and we're going to do this, you know? Yeah, you're not that guy, <laughs> right? And, and uh, the big thing that I think that we have to ask ourselves, here's something you, I want everybody listening to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I for sale? Now, it's different saying you should build a business that's good enough to be sold because you might die in a helicopter crash yeah. tomorrow and you want your family taken care of. Right. So you should build a good business. However, are you for sale? And what I mean by that is, do you kind of in the back of your mind just say, as soon as this is met, then I'm out. I'm moving to the mountains. I'm done. And if that's the way you're thinking, then I would posit you have a finite mentality mm -hmm. that's actually hindering you getting there. Right. I'm not saying don't go do it, but, the, but what will actually happen once Danny gets to his mountain pack is I believe you'll probably do it. But by then, you'll have like your empire running from the mountain pack. Well, yeah, yeah that's, it's that's not like the plan. I'm like, not like on the way out, but. Um, right. But right. isn't that interesting? Sure, we often sure. think that way. And, I, and I'm the same way. We all are. It's a biology thing. We think, oh, out of protection of myself, if I can just get to this level, then I'll be fully protected. No. I've been saying that yeah. since I was like 22. Right. Like here, that, that's one thing I've realized is like, I'm never satisfied. No. So like, it, you know, as I worked my way through those ranks at Guitar Center, it was always like, oh, when I get to this level or then the next level. Right. And, and I, you just sort of realize like, that's, it's that's not going to satisfy you. And, you know, that's something I, you know, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee and he's always talking about like that, that it's like, it's not really about the money anymore for somebody that's at that level. He's like, I like to play the game every single day. And that's yes. why I beat everybody is because I get off. This is the fun for me is to play the game, not to just be able to say there's a hundred million dollars in my bank account. Like I don't really care about that. As long as my, once I met the needs of my family, that really didn't matter anymore. Right. They've actually proven that. They've <laughs> yeah. actually proven that, yes. that, you know, once your needs are met, yeah. that the level of happiness it doesn't does, go up. It doesn't really change. So you much. have to control that. Yeah. Right. And you have to realize that no amount of quote unquote success, however you define it, is going to change that. You can literally choose today if you're living your best life. And I, and I would pause it. Does everybody know that's listening to this, that everyone's jealous of us? That like when your customers come in with their right, kids right. or, or uh, to take a lesson, <laughs> really, they sure. think, see, they don't know your stress. Yeah. And so they think that you have <laughs> the cushiest life ever, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the parents of Music Factory, all the parents of Los Rios, yeah. from their perspective, they live a life that, you know, they feel like they just have to and that they're like, oh, it must be nice. You guys get to play music. Right. Right. Sure. And so it's all perspective. And, you know, I would tend to say 
having been in the corporate world that they're partially right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. We just although, have to remind ourselves. Yeah. Although, yeah, I'm really guilty of that because I still hate Mondays. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell am I thinking? <laughs> I'm like, I don't even have a real job anymore. Like, yeah. I play music in a band and I have the school and I have my online businesses. That's right. All of which I generally get to kind of do a whole lot of whatever I want today. Yeah. And at pretty much... Almost on any day, I could call Corey and go, dude. I don't really, you know. Your purpose is amazing because you have freedom and <laughs> you know? you, and you're making an impact. You're doing both, yeah. and all of us do in this business. You know, and it's and exciting. yeah, like reminding yourself, it's like, wow, I used to like work six days a week, you know, at the store by eight a.m., working every holiday, you know, and it's like my life's very chill now, you right? Know? And 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 you know, I make less money now than i did for sure when i was you know on those later years at guitar center you know i might be make half right you know but that's just that's only one metric to measure for success and happiness and you know i i i think there is a change that i do see in our country that i really like and then we're gonna we'll transition to another uh, topic here but I, I like and i feel that after the 2008 crash it reset a lot of people's mentalities you know, that it's not really like the measurement of success is not houses and cars. Right. Which, you know, around here in Orange County, that was like everything, right? You know, you had to do this, you had to do that. And, you know, I see like these guys that I follow on, uh, you know, YouTube and stuff that are like, yeah, I quit my job. All I do is travel mountain biking everywhere around the world. Like I'm, my goal is to mountain bike the best trails in the world. And I video it and, you know, create content and I make all my money from a YouTube channel. And that's what I do now. I, you know, and these aren't like the huge channels. So, you know, that guy might make 10 grand a month. Yeah. Who cares? Did, right. Just doing that. Are you kidding me? To me, that guy is infinitely successful right now, you know, he, or the guy that just travels up and down the coast surfing lives in his van. Like we used to look at that and go, dude, kind of a loser. And I look at that now and go, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he's got a satellite on his van. Like right. he's actually running he's, the whole company. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right. Have you read the, the, um, the uh, code of the extraordinary mind? Uh-huh. Um, you made me think about this cause he has this thing called brules, which is bullshit rules. Yeah. And he goes, what are the brules that you wake up every day and put a knot in your stomach? So in other words, I can't go travel because whatever. I can't. So you're making up rules based yeah. on what, what society or, or your culture or your parents, usually it's your parents, um, <laughs> taught you, right? And you're not breaking from those rules, those BS rules, because you don't think you can. And the cool thing about us is that we're making it up anyways. We might as well make it up good. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and, and the cool thing, too, is we're also living our, like the saying goes as an entrepreneur, you can either make your dreams come true or you can, you can either work hard to make your dreams come true. Or you can work hard to make someone else's dreams. <laughs> right, right. But either way, did, you're going to work hard. I did a lot of that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So we, we talked a lot about vision, uh, company vision and things like that. Um, staying true to your vision um, and, and the, you know, playing the infinite game. What's the, the vision with Teacher Zone? What's been going on mm. there? What are you guys working on? And what's the yeah. long-term plan? Super exciting. Um, so with Teacher Zone, you know, the whole reason we founded Teacher Zone was we wanted to make a long-term impact. And we realized that, um, you know, having a bunch of music schools from, for us 
wasn't the best way that we could do that. Some mm-hmm. of you out there are killing it doing that. Um, but for us, we realized that we could actually utilize the technology side to help people realize their potential, help student engagement more. So our whole vision with Teachers on Long Term is, you know, we want to build a world where people are able to realize their potential by working with the greatest teachers. And the way that we do that is by helping lessen businesses, right? And so Teacher Zones, um, the last four years, which you've been a big part of, Danny, was um, sort of trying to help everybody because there's so many different business models. Mm. And so, you know, we're in five different countries and everybody has different models. And so what we've really done is trying to help the different ways that people do their business. And so this year, what's really fun is we're circling back sanding all the edges and all that stuff you know it's now like the like uh we built the car and the primers on it and all that and now we're we're starting to put a cool paint job on it and then add some other features so um the this year uh we've got a lot planned and i want to talk to you about the last part of it because that's the part you and i are excited about but um some of the things that we have going on um we're releasing our new we've been working really hard um really it's taken us about four months because they touched so many programs um, on our new registration and contracts. So Teacher Zone now is basically taking the student from, you know, the moment you win them over mm-hmm. and then trying to take them, because that's always been our goal is the moment you win them over, how do we now help you keep them? And, and, and uh, so registration contracts um, were released in both for teachers and students. So you can actually assign your teacher's contracts or agreements. Um, you can actually customize the registration pages. So it's like full standalone registration software, really. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's going to be really exciting because you're going to be able to dictate what fields are, are uh, mandatory. Um, you have different landing pages for every different offering, uh, whether it's your group classes, your kids rock, your DJ classes. You can actually have a different landing page. So in your lobby, you could actually just save those links. And then when someone walks in, they can sign up as a whole family uh, or as an individual literally like from your pad or whatever you have in your lobby um, because you can just bookmark those different plans. Sure. Sure. So that's the, um, we're actually releasing that here um, in the next seven days. Um, and then awesome. uh, what we're transitioning into is um, some enhancements. Uh, a lot of people have asked for enhancements, um, especially with group lessons. They're so profitable. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are some of the ways that we can do that? So we're adding caps and things on groups. We're also um, allowing group drop-ins. So for those of you that do group classes, you can charge a flat rate to a large number of people and then have them drop in kind of thing. Mm. Um, and so we're doing some of that, which is exciting. Um, we're also um, adding sort of some administrative stuff, like one-click cancels and stuff. So that way when a student leaves you, you literally just click a button and then that, you know, right now there's, um, there's a few steps to take. Right, right, right. We're trying to get that to one click. The goal is to get the administrative side and the money collection and all that just, just to set it and forget it. Sure, sure. Feeling like magic. And then we can all worry about what's really important, which is the student engagement side. Right, right. So in Q2, um, so, so we're really uh, buttoning up all the administrative stuff this quarter. And then in Q2, the team is um, looking forward to really getting towards back to the learning side. Yeah. And teeing off on that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's really what's going to be so exciting to so many schools. Because, you know, and I think it's great that you guys are continually refining just the day-to-day, you know, registration process or, you know, just the workflow stuff to just make everyone's lives easier. And right. there is an element of that that for a customer signing up, you got to make it as easy and smooth as possible. You know, reduce 
all friction is right. important. Right. But the long term, you know, there's always going to be music schools out there that want you to make the button blue and you have the button red right now. <laughs> they're hitting you with that request or whatever. But that long term of really focusing back on the student. It's what it's all about. Nobody's is like, there's nobody really doing anything like that. Right. At the level that you've talked about and some of the ideas that we've, you know, yeah, it's been, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest challenge uh, that we've had in this business is because there are so many moving parts for all of us, right? Is that we've had to, you know, if you look at now, like our servers each day, um, you know, we, we have a myriad of giant cloud-based servers. And if you look at all the different things that are going on in a day, we're sending like a quarter million processes and notifications and things a day. Yeah, it's incredible. That's a lot. And so there's so many moving parts that it's easy for all of us. Like I, I don't wonder why we get lost in our own business because now I see it every day. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no wonder. There's a lot of distractions. But the one thing we can't be distracted about is engagement. It, the more we engage our students the other six days a week, the more we give them the tools they need to go deeper in their learning, the longer we're gonna have them as customers. Yeah, I mean, and we're, you know, again, we're faced with, you know, the way things are done is changing and the, and the way students want to learn is changing, what they do with their free time. You know, if you just look at everything else they use out there, you know, you're, you're kind of in competition to some extent with that. Oh, yeah. And, and to be able to, you know, engage that student throughout the week, you know, I, I could almost see where long term, that could be 90% of the lesson process and the one-on-one -on -one interaction becomes even a smaller part True, than what it, it is today. Yeah, it already is. I mean, flip classrooms, uh, the, the math has shown that, you know, they just work. Mm -hmm. And the reason they work is because students um, work better with a mentor when teachers are acting as mentors, yeah. not information disseminators. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can utilize technology to disseminate info, but you can't get that inspiration or someone holding right. you accountable or those life lessons like you get from an instructor. So we like the merging of the two that's mentalities, awesome. yeah. right? There's the human element that's so vital to, to real learning. Because if you think about it, technology alone, I think creates a little superficial learning. You don't go, quite go as deep and all that. Um, but the combo, wow, that's powerful. Yeah, that's so, cool. So uh, we're looking at um, the, the other things we really want to do with it is um, things like, you know, auto check-ins. We could have it to where when they walk in, it, it marks attended because um, they have their app and we just know they just walked in the building. Yeah. Um, we can yeah, have it to where, yeah. yeah, we can have it to where you can actually have leaderboards up on your um uh, like the, like you have in the lobby here, mm -hmm. um, where you have a, a flat screen and when the student arrives, you're actually welcome Danny Thompson. So sure glad thing. you made it today. <laughs> um, wow. You, and you could have all these like pre messages in there that, wow, you practice, you know, uh, two hours last week and you got this badge and congratulations on your last show. Like, so what's really neat is we can start to utilize the data that we have to um, go for all those engagement touch points. Yeah. And so that's what TeacherZone really, our focus um, really starting in uh, probably April yeah. on is going to be just how can we help all of us engage more? And so we don't call ourselves a software company for a reason. Um, and that's what we talked about with the infinite thing mm -hmm. is that, listen, we're just, you know, we're here to just help um, more people realize their potential through lessons, whatever that means. 
Right, right. So over the years, we might actually become an, uh, an artificial intelligence company or, or a VR company, or well, I don't know. All I know is that we're um, kind of committed to lock arms together and whatever all of us need um, is what we're going to try our darndest to try and, you know, yeah. help us acquire. That's awesome. So I get real excited about the, that learning management side of things because yeah. I love the con, you know, just I, I just start to envision like the potential of what that experience could be for people compared to, you know, what the lesson experience and we may, you know, stop using that word, you know, lesson, but just like the, you know, the, the experience of learning to play music, you know, what it is now versus where it could be, you know, 100%. five I mean, years I, from now or a couple I, years from now. It's really, it's really exciting. Well, and, and, and the thing for, I think a lot of programs, unfortunately, uh, more and more thanks to your, um, you know, thanks to, to, um, you mentoring and all of us, you know, kind of helping each other through this. Um, I think that we, we need to stay focused on the fact that at the end of the day, if we're not actually facilitating an impact, like creating true learning, then, you know, we're, we're losing sight of the greatness we're bringing to the world. And some, you know, I, I know a lot of you, I hear it every day. You'll treat your lessons in a lot of ways, like a product. Yeah. And we got to remember that we're a services business. Sure, sure, That sure. doesn't mean you don't have a products business. I mean, hey, many of you sell millions of dollars of products. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, the services side, it, it has a heart. And the services right. side needs to right. have a heart. Which sure, means sure. that's why you get so geeked up about the learning stuff. Because you realize the importance of having a heart in your business on yeah. the service side. Yeah, I, I can transition fairly easy myself when I'm looking at the school, like sitting at home, if I'm analyzing stuff, it's really easy for me to look at it and go, okay, you know, we sold X number of lessons in a given day or whatever. And, yeah. and, and I look at that lesson as a product and it generated this much revenue and all those things. I can do that really easily. And I do geek out on numbers and, yeah. you know, I've always kind of enjoyed. Tyler makes fun of me. I'm a spreadsheet geek. Yeah. I've always enjoyed, like, I just like, I'll be sitting on the plane and I just get my phone out and my rocket book, and I'll be like, well, what if we did this? What, how does the numbers look? And I, you know, you make great advancements in your business by just tweaking on stuff like that. But the other side of it is I'm constantly thinking about that experience, you know, and yeah. that are people, you know, more than the money, for sure. Like, if we were making more money, but we weren't viewed as positively, I would not be happy about that. I, I for me, Making, like, yeah, I, yeah, money's the a most metaphor. important thing yeah. for me that makes me feel good about having the business is getting positive feedback from a parent or a student, or seeing that growth and them expressing gratitude towards that, and you knowing that you had that impact. That's where I go home, going, "Damn it, we are actually like." I am making this happen. And that's repeatable. Awesome. That is repeatable. Right. As soon as you focus on the money alone, it, it's fleeting because you're basically playing that finite game. Yeah. When you're focused on the infinite part, which is making a great impact, then the money just follows as it's a metaphor. You know how many people yeah. you help in theory. Sure, sure. So if you want to make more money, just like you opening your, your new location, you know, you want to make a greater impact. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not like, uh, I mean, granted, we all got to eat and we all have yeah. to survive. We yeah. get that. And I, I, there's times where I look at the numbers and go, oh, wow, we hit this new milestone this month. You know, and it's cool. And it's it, an it, important part. You know, it relieves yeah. maybe it, what it does for you is 
relieve your need to obsess over that because you're mm. like, okay, mm. things are paid for. It's a barometer of the you infinite know, so, game, right? It's like, where, where right. do I stand? When I, when I look at Los Rios last year and, and we should pull music factory, I pulled it in teacher zone and we, we taught 20,750 hours mm. of music, uh, instruction and rehearsals last year. Uh, That's crazy. And, but I told my staff and then their mouths were like, what? I'm like, I know. Isn't that wild? Like that's so special. So, so those numbers are fun and all, but if that's all we were focused on was the number, right? it would have dropped precipitously because we wouldn't have sure, made the sure. impact that we made, right. which is why they came in the first place. Right. Yeah. All those stats, it's all interesting. It's a metric that you should measure to check the health of your business, but it just doesn't have that impact the same way as just doing a great job at it. Right. Does, you know? Yeah. So the goal, the goal with teacher zone really at the end of the day is to, um, it's TBD in the sense that it's an infinite game and it's how can we help all of us sort of make a greater impact and how can we utilize technology to do so? Um, but you know, it's just a means to an end. Um, the actual end is impact because at the end of the day, um, we're humans helping humans. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a great uh, place to end. (laughs) Thanks man. We had a, a wild, wide-ranging conversation yeah but that, that was awesome all right thanks chris appreciate your time man we'll talk to you soon My brother thanks for having me 